Today we have an amazing guest. Today we are talking with our guest about how he's been able to build an amazing career for himself as a freelance designer by skill stacking and becoming what he calls a full stack designer. Guys, you know what it is. This is Design Huddle. This is a podcast where we talk about the best ways to get the next level in your design career. We talk about everything from graphic design, product design, personal branding, tech trends, and interview with some of the best thought leaders in the industry today. We are your hosts. My name is Brandon Gross, a designer and digital strategist for Fortune 500s, here with Ryan Warner, UX designer based in New York City. So guys, today we have an amazing guest. Today we are talking with our guest about how he's been able to build an amazing career for himself as a freelance designer by skill stacking and becoming what he calls a full stack designer. In addition, he is the host of an amazing daily YouTube channel called Flux that has over 70,000 subscribers that focuses on gearing up designers with the skills they need in order to level up in their design career. So, with that said, he's been also working as a designer for 17 years and has had the chance to work with a variety of clients from huge companies to small startups creating every kind of website, marketing funnel, and mobile app you can think of. In addition to having his work featured in Forbes, Fast Company, Lifehacker, and TechCrunch. And most importantly, he's highly, highly passionate about mastering new tools that can help him and others become a more valuable and productive designer. So guys, help me in welcoming the full stack designer, Ran Seagal. What up, man? What's yeah. Glad to be on the show, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining. Yes. Guys. Thanks for waking up so early to accommodate <laughs> the hours in the Middle East. <laughs> it, it It's all good, man. Coffee helps with everything. For sure. Guys, just to let you guys know, we're really going to deep dive into what makes a full stack designer and how skill stacking has massively impacted his career and how it can impact yours. So sit back, relax, and we can do. we will be doing some massive gem dropping today so that you guys can take some of these insights home and reverse engineer success. So let's start off with this. Tell us, me and Ryan, what is a full stack designer? What, what's going on there? What is it? So basically, um, you know, I've been able to, to realize that I've become a full stack designer by accident. I'll, I'll share the story later. But the, what I mean by that is that besides doing the design, when I work with client, I've already learned some other skills from other trades such as maybe writing or sales or video editing or other skills that in terms when I do my work as a as a designer with my clients I'm able to provide them um, a lot more value than just doing either the visual design or even you know the UX design or product design uh, bring a lot more value so in effect there is like this saying of one plus one equals three so the fact that I have multiple um, skills besides the design one actually creates an incredibly higher value um, for my clients which is also you know awesome for me because it allows me to be in a position um, that I can charge higher prices or in general do stuff that other um, people can't uh, do. So that's what I mean when I say um, full stack designer and, and I do try to encourage and it's kind of like my manifest that you know designers should try and learn as many 
unrelated skills to design as possible so they'll be able to be more valuable. But as I said, that I actually came across this on in an accident. It actually happened accidentally. Um, you know, when I was just starting out as design, I used to do all these kind of things, side projects and things for fun. So one of them was just having a blog. Um, and when I started that, obviously I was a very bad writer. And so I try to become a better writer by reading articles about how to better write and stuff like that. And so by having just like a side project blog um, that actually started from a traveling blog, I actually learned how to write, which, you know, in turn happened that every time I'm creating a website for my clients, I'm doing the copywriting for them, um, which allows me to charge more for it and, and provide them more value and create even better designs because I have the copy while I'm designing. One other thing was that I started making videos, which also started as kind of a fun side project where, you know, where I would, I would go traveling with my family. I would shoot it and then edit it and just upload it for fun on, on Facebook or on YouTube. And that kind of, I started learning how to edit, how to tell stories with videos. And then actually when I was working in a branding agency, my, my boss used to see these videos and we were like, that's so cool. Let's do that for a client. Can you do that for our next presentation? So it was like, here's a bunch of budget. Go, go do whatever you want. Go create a video. And I was like, awesome, let's do that. Um, and then eventually I started creating my own YouTube channel and stuff like that. But before it started off as, you know, a side side project for just for fun. Um, and by having these kind of side projects that were really unrelated to the job that I was doing at the time, I've accumulated skills, but all of them turned out to be super, super valuable when I'm actually working with clients. So one side project that I had uh, was building an app. So I've learned how to develop iOS apps, just took like a course for lynda.com on iOS development and learned how to do that, spent four months working on it and developing it. The app totally flopped and nobody cared about it, but I was smarter and, and smarter in a sense that every time now that I'm working on an app development with developers, I have much more understanding and insight into how they work so I can do a better job and collaborate better with them and even tell them when they tell me, oh, that's not possible to do that. I was like, dude, I know that's possible. Use this <laughs> and that. And come on, don't bullshit me. Um, and it really helps me to be more effective. Um, so basically, that's a story. I just had a lot of side project that turned out into, into valuable skills. Yeah, that, I mean, I love the branding and positioning of like, I think people are very familiar with like a full stack developer. But why not? Why can't designers get the same love? So I like love what you're doing and that and like the whole idea of like skill stacking. I think most people can relate to. And I think if you're like a younger a younger designer, like you know, you don't. And people immediately think like if you want to be a full stack designer or a designer in general, you have to have like you know a ton of skills. I mean, some of the best designers do some simple things really well. Like they're strong communicators, right? Like they can kind of take a problem and have a clear structure of how to solve it. So my, my, my follow-up question here is what was like the first couple like core skills that you had that you built on? Maybe that you got like at university or when you were first starting out that were kind of the foundation of you becoming a full stack designer. So I think that's really interesting, by the way, because I do agree with you totally that, that skills like communication, sales, um, and, and stuff like that are super, super valuable and are not addressed, by the way, in Design Academy. Um, I would 
think, you know, if I'm looking back into the story, maybe one of the first thing that I did was learning how to write really from having that blog. Um, so I think that was the first thing that, you know, when I did it and I started learning and uh, start improving on it, it, it did help me to, you know, because learning how to write, which is in general, I think somebody, something that will be helpful to anybody, no matter what you do, because really learning how to write is learning how to think how to clarify your thoughts and how to explain them in in a manner that other people will be able to uh, understand them. So really learning how to write made me a better communicator in terms of even just presenting my design job at the agency where I was working, writing better emails. That that sounds like super like, (laughs) you know, ordinary, but people write emails all the time. And sometimes there's this quote which I forgot, like maybe American president or something like that, which said something like that. Sorry, I didn't have time to write a shorter letter um, because I think you know to write a shorter letter, you need to know how to think and how to encapsulate your thoughts. So most people just write long emails like that nobody wants to read because they really haven't taken the time to think through how to best communicate what they want to say. So learning how to write which can be implicated, again, in writing a blog, writing content for designs, or writing emails to your boss, or when reaching out to people, you know, in the industry, mentors, stuff like that. I think that was one of the most valuable skills, first skills that I've started to um, learn and really helped me to understand the value of learning things that are not like directly related to design, but can really help me, you know, improve my career and and the service and the value that i provide 100 percent. and ran i don't know what you're reading today I, you must be stealing my kindle list because you just rattled off three quotes that i literally i feel like in the last week have heard and i'm just like ran everybody i'm shaking my head over here because i think we have the same reading list to be honest um You've said a lot of awesome... Th- I really love what you said. Writing is learning how to think. I think this is a huge thing. Like, this is... Just for everybody, this is something I'm still struggling with. But one thing that we were really hitting on is the communication piece. And, you know, having other skills outside of just the technical design skills. In your experience, does talking about pixel density, uh, kerning, tracking, and all those other creative things that you would communicate with another designer in terms of like design aesthetic, how much has that helped you in your career versus something like communication? And the reason I'm asking this and framing this early on is because I really want to just get somebody who performs at a high level to also bring their perspective down to people who, or not really down, but to people who are like trying to learn more about design when they really should be learning other things like such as communication and writing that will help them increase in their, um, you know, in their value versus like learning everything about design and trying to increase their value, whether they be in an employer setting or in freelance. So what are your thoughts on that? So I'm, I'm a big believer in the 80-20 kind of principle of thought where, you know, if for, for anybody who doesesn't know, the Pareto principle means that, you know, 20% of the effort generates 80% of the return or something like that. And, and so I think that I'm a very 80, 80 guy in terms of, you know, I've, I w- I've spent a few years learning how to design. I went to design school and I, during that phase, I learned all the technical things and I got to be, to becoming, let's say an 80% designer. 
Like I wasn't the best designer in the world, but now to get from 80 to 100 to the best designer in the world would actually require 80% of the effort. So by spending like 20%, I got to become an 80% designer. Now, like, by the way, I'm only saying this after the fact. It's not like I literally thought this while, while, while I was doing this, but you know, even in school, even in high school, I used to be, I used to get 80 like grades and it was like, okay for me. It wasn't worth the, the effort to try and master and get, get a hundred. So the same with design. Once I was comfortable at the 80, you know, I understood all the basic concepts, you know, layout, tracking, kerning, you know, all of that, that you have to know, you know, in order to be, in order to actually do your job well. Now, instead of spending another 80% of my effort in trying to become the best pixel whatever in the world, technically, I said, hey, let's try another eight, like 20% in learning something completely new and very fast I'll be able to get to 80 again. So whether it is, again, writing or creating video, because like you can get to a, a situation where you can create okay or even good videos very quickly, you know? All you have to know is ba the basic operations of a camera, then the basics of editing, and you're okay. You're not amazing, you're not like award-winning, you're not Casey Neistat, whatever, but you're okay. And, and when you have what I feel like a lot of okay, a lot of 80s, that really multiplies faster than trying to reach 100 in something very specific. That has worked well for me. So I'm not, uh, it, to, to answer your question, it is important to understand what is design. You know, it is under, it, you, you have to know the difference between, I don't know, you know, RGB and CMYK if you're designing for print versus, you, you have to know those basic things. Um, but you don't have to, I think that most people get to the 80% and think that, oh, now they have to master the, you know, very specific type of illustration or whatever, they'll take them to 100 and, you know, to be super honest, most clients don't even know the difference between 80 and 100. You know, we know because we're deep in the technical stuff. Most clients don't even know. Um, so maybe your efforts are worth somewhere else in like learning to better communicate your ideas with the, your clients. So they'll even take you and hire you and, and, and choose your work and learn to negotiate. Otherwise, they're going to trash your design and they're going to tell you, you know, my wife said, let's turn it to green. And if you haven't learned negotiation and communication, you're just going to do it. Um, so maybe you should learn to negotiate. They'll help you implement better design than learning the new whatever shortcut trick to, to Photoshop or whatever. Yeah, 100%. And, 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 and Ryan, I know this is... Brandon, you're like, Brandon, shut up. <laughs> it's, it's my turn. <laughs> But I'm just recap because he said a lot of good things right there, and I kind of want to con condense it. So basically, what you're saying is being an 80 designer is okay. Understanding because there's always there's a shitload of people better than any one of us on this call. I mean, you know, we have our own uniqueness in terms of we've created a set of skills for ourselves that we are very good at, and that are you know fit our our natural capabilities. And I I call them naturals because like for me, I'm not the best designer. You know, there's a million times other better designs, you know, you run through Dribbble in Instagram a couple times and you're just like, damn, you know, this can take a couple years. So things like communication, for me, it's my tongue. I love to, to talk. In terms of you, you're like, I learned how to write really well. Um, Ryan, I can't speak for you, but um, 
you know, do you feel the same way, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, like, it's it's funny, too, because, like, earlier in your career, I think a lot of it is just, like, making mistakes and having, you know, learning from others. I think that's the best thing that designers are doing. They're always looking for opportunities to improve. I feel like a, a, a trait that I see a lot of, like, UX designers in particular have is that they're responsive to feedback because they're also working with people, if you're more on the user research side, to get feedback on your product, on your designs. Um, so I don't know. I'm not saying that all designers are good at taking feedback, but I, I do think that it's a career where um, you tip, tip, uh, designers tend to have a little bit more empathy and understanding. And I think that also kind of relates to their own personal growth because they're more responsive and they're like, you know, um, uh, I think there's always, always opportunities to get better. And I think that's my, my, my question for you is like, you know, you're, you're a super well-established designer. You're, you know, you're a full stack designer. You've been doing this really well. You have a personal brand. Like what are the skills? Like what, what are you focusing on in the future? Like, like design is a constantly evolving field. What are you doing to stay ahead? Cause I think it's always easy to like, you know, uh, you know, get comfortable but you seem like one of the designers that's never comfortable. They're always looking for a new side hustle, a new skill to, to develop, and like staying hungry. So, you know, who knows where design's going to be at 10 years from now? So what are you doing to position yourself to be successful for the future? So first of all, okay, so I, I would say this, um, this has to do with two maybe unrelated components. So the first one is, let's say, staying up to date, and that is you know, by investing in learning new new skills, new processes and new tools. So, you know, I just like last year or maybe it was a little bit more than a year, I went to to AJ and Smart to learn the, the sprint process and then started to implement that with my clients. So that was like investing in learning new process. Um, recently, just like uh, a month ago, I read the the story brand framework and then implemented that new process with clients. Um, I'm also trying all these new software that allows you to design and you know export code. Um, so I'm researching that and and trying new tools that are coming out. So that's one thing that you know always trying to look what's the new thing and and, and giving it a try and taking bets on. You know, I'm a very full-on bet on on Webflow, obviously, because I think that's the next thing um, for web design. But uh, in general, I'm I'm taking a lot of like bets and trying new things and, and seeing, and a lot of them don't work, obviously. So I'm not going like full in on them before I see that they actually work. That's the one thing. But the second thing is, in you know, to quote Jeff Bezos, um, you invest in the things that are never going to change. So there are basic fundamental skills that you need to master in, in order to be successful, I guess. Um, so, you know, that can be anything from managing your time and being productive to, you know, leading a team and, and collaborating with other people. So those are some of the things which I'm always trying to learn, you know, read books and, and, and try to improve. And I work with a coach to improve those basic skills to make sure that no matter where the trend goes in terms of our specific industry, I do have the, the core basic skills that are required to succeed as a person, you know, in general. Um, so I, I would say that investing in those two things simultaneously is what I'm doing to kind of like uh, hedge against the future or not sure how to say this, but to make sure that I'm, I'm future proof. 
Yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. But I, out of curiosity, what are your top three like tools that you use? Like, what's your what's your like bread and butter like your go to tools? Because a common question what, I've like, heard that like I, uh, software, software wise. Yeah, like basically design software. So right now, I've recently moved from Sketch to Figma, basically just to be able to collaborate with other people. So right now, I'm working much more with Figma. Um, obviously, so your I'm YouTube using video web. is a lie. Sorry? <laughs> so, so your YouTube video is a lie. What is it? The Figma? No, 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 no. The, I was looking through your videos. Maybe there's an updated one. Maybe I'm behind, guys. You guys can slap me later. No, I tried XD. I tried XD, but it wouldn't allow for collaboration. So XD, I couldn't switch to XD. But I'm so, so far, I'm, I'm with Figma. I did one about XD where I thought about, uh, I got a lot of comments about the new auto animate feature. So I went to check that out and it's pretty cool. But it would still not allow for collaboration. Oh, I thought there was um, a video called like, I, why I won't be using Figma. And I, I, I no, thought I watched it. No. Okay. There was one about Framer, by the way, which I said oh, I was maybe very excited Framer about. X. Yeah, it was there Framer. We go. It's and the then X. Framer X eventually did not being able to, uh, you know, output um, production ready code. So I was kind of disappointed about that. Um, so yeah, I, I use Webflow to develop every website that I build. So that's one of my like main tools that I work with. Um, Figma to design, you know, now. I'm collaborating with a lot of people. So a lot of, I'm actually using um, Appearin uh, and to, to do video chats, which is basically just in browser, kind of like Hangouts, but I, I find it more, um, I don't know, I just enjoy working it with it better. And Loom, obviously, I, I don't know if you know Loom, which is a Chrome extension that allows you to record videos um, and share your screen. So that's so helpful when either working with clients or remoting with, you know, collaborating with a team that's remote because uh, it allows you to sh both share your screen and record a video and an explanation. That's been so helpful um, in terms of collaboration. Um, and because, you know, I do, uh, I use, I have a daily video um, YouTube channel, <laughs> then I use Premiere a lot as well. Um, what else do I use? I'm trying to check my, yeah, those are basically the tools that I use. I use Keynote a lot for basically doing presentations for my clients and, and running through th things. Um, yeah, those are kind of the tools of the trade. of the Yeah, I mean, that's that's super helpful. Those are kind of the, the standard ones, but I always like to give people, um, you know, depending on what, what kind of, you know, designer you want to be or which UX field you want to kind of, you know, get into. Those are the, the common ones that come up. And I think like it's, uh, there's no better, there's so much amazing content on YouTube right now where you could go and learn one of these tools. Like I learned, I'm, I'm a sketch self-taught and I basically learned it 100% from, from YouTube. Yeah, uh, It's where I, mean, I spend I, most of my to be time. Super but... honest, to be super honest, all the new tools that are for screen design, I would say, um, are rather, I won't say shallow, but they're pretty simple. They're not like Photoshop, which you can spend, you know, 10 years on, and there is still many, you know, drop-down menus, which you do not know how to use. Um, those, those softwares are pretty straightforward, and you can learn them. And to be super, super honest, like the main differences today, I think, between, you know, either Sketch, Figma, XD, Envision Studio, they're not that, like, major differences. It's basically just, you know, you can get your work done on either one of them. So 
Yeah, I think I think that's the biggest thing though. Is like pick one, stick with it, get good at it. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, Rand, we've talked a lot about the what. We've talked about what exactly is full stack designer, what it is, how to skill stack, or really, actually, we've just talked about skill stacking, not exactly how. So, we're gonna go behind all of the front stuff. We're gonna pull back the curtain. There you are, Rand, and we want to talk about the you know what actually has motivated you and how you've been able to stay on this road and push yourself. Because I think that is what is most important. A lot of people look at the front layer and say like, okay, his outputs are X, Y, and Z. This is his process. So I'm just going to re- replicate his process so I can get his outcomes. But the thing is, there are inputs that go into a system that create outputs. So I really would love to know what is it that allows you motivation-wise and really what you're in putting, feeding yourself, whether... Not really your dietary, but what are you feeding your brain? How do you keep yourself motivated? Because like we all know, there are stresses and, you know, things that we don't calculate for along the journey. So how have you been able to, you know, what is, why are you doing all of this? All right. Uh, <laughs> I know that's a big all, question and then we'll break down. Why am I doing try- this? You know, yeah. I feel like it would be. <laughs> I feel like it would be such a, like, a, a, a like. I don't know, like nobody would say this, but you know, first of all, I have to work to pay the rent. So, you know, I need to make a living out of this. Um, and it's okay. I don't think that's something to be ashamed of. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I got into design because I was very passionate about it for many years, which I still am. But I think that everything that you do for a very long time, spe- specifically if you're going inside if you're going into something because it's a hobby, it's going to change into, it's a work now that you do. And in terms of motivation, you know, there are up days and there are down days. There are days where I'm excited for what I have to do and there are days where I'm not so excited about what you have to do. Um, but the truth is, it it doesn't matter, you know, if because if you are, and this is a quote from Seth Godin, which I like, he said, nobody cares, you know, about your, <laughs> about your motivation or about your authentic self you need to be a professional so you need to go to work and perform and do good work so i'm a designer so i will go and design and i will present to clients and i will you know give them the show because this is what they expect and this is what they pay for even if i'm not motivated so that's you know motivation it's not like i try to get motivated some days i am motivated and some days i'm not motivated it's just like how I think think like life is, but apart from that, I think I'm, you know, there. I'm a very growth minded person. I think um, in terms of I really I always like to learn. Specifically, I like to read a lot. Um, and now, just because I don't have much time to sit at home and read, because I've got two kids, uh, most of my reading is actually um, via audiobooks while I ride my bicycle or something into the office and out of the office. So I got like, I would say an hour and a half or two hours of commute every day. And while listening to audiobooks and taking notes, I get to learn a lot. So I think I made a video about this on my YouTube channel. Like last year, I think I read like 30 books or something like that. And I try to keep it broad, even though yesterday I had a, I had a conversation with my wife and telling her that my reading is basically all like either business or like personal growth or something like that. And maybe I should read 
a little bit more diverse. But specifically right now, I'm, I'm like reading three books in a row about psychology. So I'm trying to be more diverse with my reading, but I just do it because I enjoy doing it. It's not like sometimes it's intentional, like, okay, I will read this book about the branding process because I need to do this you know, story brand workshop in a month. So sometimes it's practical, but a lot of times it's just because I'm interested. I love reading. I love learning. And so it's just because I'm passionate about it. It's not really, it's just how I'm wired to enjoy doing this. And that's why I'm careful about, you know, telling other people, you know, hey, you should read books or you should do this or you should do that. I'm not doing this because I think I should do this or anybody else should do this. I'm doing this because I enjoy doing this. Um, and maybe at some point I will stop enjoying doing it and I will not do it anymore and maybe I'll do something else. Um, so I don't know. This is just how I am. I enjoy learning new skills and it turns out that it's valuable in the marketplace. So I guess I'm lucky in that sense. Got you. And I, <clears throat> I just want to add something to that because I know... I really like what you said in terms of I, this is just something that I like to do. And, you know, personally, I always try to break down into pieces someone's internal motivation in terms of, you know, one, how does I know you said, you know, you have to perform more. So it's all about performance versus, you know, actually motivating yourself to do things because there's going to be good days and there's going to be shit days. And I think it's still really important because there's still the environment the mental things that you're inputting in your brain, both in your brain and your body, that allow you to get through the ass days. Um, so, you know, next, I, I mean, Ryan, I know I'm taking your thing because I think this is really important. I think we need to dig into this. Sure, um, let's do um, it. You know, what help, I know you say it's just about performance, but is that just it? Is that understanding that, you know, I'm going to have good days and bad days? Understanding that, does that help you get through the bad days? Okay, so what is it? Two two things. First of all, and that has to do with, you know, uh, accepting maybe accepting yourself or accepting your thoughts. When I am down, I will not beat myself up like, oh my god, you're down. You have to go motivate yourself. Go listen to Gary V or go pump yourself up so you can perform. Sometimes it's okay to say, hey, um, it's just gonna happen today because um, it's okay to be you know low motivation today. I accept that. I don't try to fight that. That being said, <clears throat> I did. I, I am trying to like notice what might cause certain things. So you know, I I noticed that when I eat like a huge dish of pasta for noon, um, I might be tired later and don't feel like you know doing work. So I. I can't say that I'm 100% successful with this, but I'm trying to be mindful regarding what I eat during the day. Um, I noticed that when I'm meeting people face-to-face, -face, just because I work a lot alone, like this is my office, and I told you before, you are like my human contact today. And I've, I've noticed that having like a conversation with people, and it's usually over lunch or just meeting people for coffee, uh, that really gets me up. I really like you know, even though I'm most productive sitting it uh, alone in a room alone, like I can't work in an, in an office, uh, like open, open space, but so I'm most productive alone. I do need this conversation and this personal time with people because that really gets me up. 
So after my after our conversation, I'm probably going to be pumped and, and be more motivated to do things. So I'm trying to be mindful to make sure that every day I kind of have this structured somewhere along my day because I know that I'm high on energy after that. Um, so those are two things, like try to be mindful of what makes you feel good and productive and, and, and structure that. But also when that doesn't happen, don't beat yourself up. It's okay. It's, it's natural. Nobody's, you know, you watch these YouTube videos and, and people on Instagram, you think everybody is so pumped all the time. And why do I feel like not getting out of bed today? It's okay. It's okay. Everybody has these days. Don't be rough on yourself, you know? Yeah, I really love that. And I'm going to be quiet so Ryan can talk. No, I, I mean, Rand, for me, I, I'm just curious a little bit more on like on, on a personal level. Like what, what city are you living in right now? I'm in Tel Aviv, Israel. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Um, yeah. It sounds like you – are you like – do you travel all over like Europe and like APAC for, for you know, talks and meeting with clients? I, I do. not Maybe not enough as I would like to do it because, you know, I also have two kids. So it's whenever I whenever I travel, it's tough on my wife. Um, I am now scheduled for two, two talks in Poland in June. So I'm excited about that. But uh, yeah, I do try. I do try. That's great. I'm curious, like, you know, um, I, so what, what, I, what I, I'm curious about is like, you know, you've probably worked with, you know, companies, people from all over the world. Is there any any like region in particular that you're you know you're super excited about? Um, the main reason I ask that is I uh, I was in Brazil uh, last year and I found it was such an, an interesting market. Um, a ton of awesome startups, a ton of like energy from um, in São Paulo, which is where I was. So uh, I was just curious because, like, I'm you know I, we're always talking for, to a lot of uh, U.S. based designers. I'm just curious if you guys have if you have any trends or anything you're seeing different um, in EMEA versus the rest of the world. I don't know if you know, but like Tel Aviv has a huge, huge startup scene, and in terms yeah. of venture capital, I don't know if after yeah, no, Silicon Valley or after New York, it's like, like uh, it's the biggest city for for like tech. Um, so there's like tons of interesting stuff going around here. And most of the people that I work with are actually based here. Um, and I'm really, I'm really excited about this. There's tons of interesting stuff going around. So that's, that's cool in terms of like working with clients specifically. I don't know. It, it, like, it seems that the startup ecosystem here is much more powerful than even, you know, um, Berlin or, or even London or, or cities like that. But in terms of like collaboration, right now I feel like what's happening in Eastern Europe with, you know, in countries like Poland or Ukraine, that is that there's huge, huge, huge like um, talent, like so many people are talented. And because they don't have enough, I would say either tech companies locally or, or clients locally that can even, let's say, afford um, nice prices or good prices they're they're doing a lot of outsourcing and I know I've personally started working with you know collaborating with with designers and other types of professionals from from uh, Poland and Ukraine and or right now I'm also collaborating with somebody from Prague and that has been like so like I would say like mind opening because there's like you would think that all the like talented designers are in London or something like that, or Paris, 
that's really not the case. There are like amazingly talented people over there that are looking for, you know, opportunities to, you know, to collaborate on really interesting projects. And so for me right now, that's really, um, that's really something that's really interesting. I'm also, you know, might be going there to train some designers on Webflow or like things are really happening there in terms of talent. Um, also with development, I'm not only talking about design, like, like so many tech startups here in Tel Aviv have remote uh, development teams in Ukraine. Um, that's really, really something interesting that's, that's going on right now. I love that. I think that we're going to see more of that too. I think it, you for know, the sure, world for is sure. getting... As re remote is, is taking over and I think that will enable a lot of the talented people over there um, get exposure to really interesting opportunities. Yeah, a lot of the tools you talked about too are collaborative tools. So uh, I think that's I think that's super exciting. I mean, you can be anywhere in the world and be be a, you know be a UX designer, be a designer. So um, that's super refreshing. Th thanks for sharing that. Yeah, sure. I still have to say, like personally, that in terms of working remotely, one of the things that I struggle with is some of the let's say strategic workshops or like the the initial stages stages of projects things like either design sprints or strategy workshops, I still haven't been able to figure out a way to do them, to conduct them successfully remotely. And I think that some of those things, there's like no alternative yet to actually being together in the same room and reading the interactions and stuff like that. So that that's one thing that I still struggle with in terms of when I work with clients remotely, I would often fly to them to conduct those initial stages just because it's really hard to do that over Skype or something like that. Plus, you're not going to be in Skype for like nine hours straight. Um, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really, that's unproductive. And so, yeah, so that's one thing that I'm still struggling with. But other than that, like remote is literally changing the way that teams work. Awesome, Brendan, take it away. I think we're we're getting close. To, yeah, man, uh, we have a lot of good stuff, Ryan. I'm yeah. super excited about the recap of this. This is about to be a brain dump to the audience. So, real quick, before we get even into that, this whole conversation, guys, has been about skill stacking, and my man has touched on it just a couple times, and he keeps secretly pu pushing it back on the burner. We've talked about the tools he uses, Webflow. This guy is, if you don't know him, which you probably most definitely do, he's got 70,000 subscribers. He has 80,000 plus of an audience. It's hashtag jealous. Um, so, well, also, Rand, what are you doing? You got to go subscribe right now, right? Yes, go, go subscribe. We'll talk about where you can find him and all the good things in just a second. But we need to get to the nitty gritty because this man keeps hiding his course. This man makes over 300,000 plus. I probably can't even get the number right. It's probably so high right now. But he, it, I'm just straight hashtag jealous. So, Rand, you talk about skill stacking. You have a course where you legitimately teach people what you are doing now that has allowed you to, and I'm not going to speak for you. You can do your whole spiel, but that has allowed you to be a freelancer and gain more than 300,000 in terms of your income so you're teaching people how to get to where you are in such a short you're basically crunching down what you know today in a one stop shop course so tell us a little bit about this course what it entails and you know really why people should 
be enrolling. <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay, so yeah. So basically, I do have a course that teaches people how to use Webflow, which is, you know, from all the tools, like I've mentioned that um, I've learned a lot of skills along the way. And I do think that having a lot of skills, as I've said, and becoming a full stack designer is really a key to, you know, multiplying your value. But out of all of these skills, I think that the one that had the biggest leverage in my career and also the one that people seem to struggle the most to um, get over the learning curve is mastering Webflow. And again, I'll give a little bit of context for people who don't know. Webflow is basically a tool that allows designers to develop websites without writing code. And the difference between that tool and tools like I don't know, uh, WordPress or Wix or Squarespace, where you're usually working off some kind of a template, or even if you have a builder, it's kind of like component based. When you actually develop your own website um, visually with Webflow, you can literally do anything. So that really helps you to, you know, be, create valuable websites which are custom made, which really solves the customer's or the client's problem, and not just by being stuck on you know a template. Um, that being able to do that, cause before, you know, I, I wanted to be a, a high value, you know, designer. And so I moved away from working with template long time ago. And after that I used to, because I wanted to do like really high quality work, I worked with developers and, and basically that also costed me a lot of money and also in more than money, even the, just the time to communicate to them what I want. And when I discovered Webflow and learned how to use it properly and efficiently, that literally cut down the development time of websites from like two weeks to maybe like two days or something like that, or sometimes even hours. Sometimes like I can build up a whole like landing page in, in less than a day. So that like this leverage and still I'm charging for development. So I'm like literally making double the money and working like 20%. So that has been the biggest leverage. Um, and, and, like for I've been talking about this on my YouTube channel and they've actually after a year of YouTubing I've mentioned it so many times that they've actually became the, the sponsors of my YouTube channel and people kept asking me to do a course on it which initially was weird to me because Webflow themselves has great you know videos training for free but I understood that people lack the kind of like the professional not like the technical how to use the software but also how to use it in context of clients how do you sell this platform to a client versus working with wordpress or how do you onboard them or how do you you know send the proposal or how do you um you know deliver the website and doing the whole process and, and basically even just understanding the basic development concept um so i did this also basically as an experiment i did not think it will take off um, as much as it did, but it just blew up like, and it, and it was just like, okay, it seems like people want this. So let me, let me go all in on this. So right now I'm, I'm right, re re really investing in growing this. And it seems like it's been really taking off, um, which again is, is mind blowing to me. And as I said, you know, I've been talking about the full stack and I have a vision maybe to create kind of a school that will teach all the skills. But right now, it just seems like that this particular skill is so valuable for people and the, like the students see such incredible results that I don't want to just move on into the next thing. I just want to focus on making sure that this is the best that it can be. Yes, 100% guys. And everything that Rand has said is 100% true. Like I've done sites in Webflow that take a day 
in, you know, whereas even if it's a simple landing page, like in WordPress, that can take <laughs> just because of how fucking slow it is. It can take some time. Webflow, you can make it fully customized and, you know, make it to actually how you want and just a short amount of period of time. So, guys, I would really highly recommend, um, you know, checking out not only Rand's YouTube videos, but specific in you know how he runs his processes but really you know just listen to you know even outside of the web flow things everything Rand talks about and we i really wish we had like a two hour <laughs> because there's a lot we could really dive into here but we'll probably have Rand on um for specific topics but everything from process to how to become a more valuable designer and be able to charge more and learn how to do all that in a short period of time and not have to gain all this knowledge on the internet and piece it together yourself ran has in his youtube videos and in his course and really allows you to dive deep dive into his brain in a course in video fashion so we highly recommend that so ran we got some bullet points here my man we're gonna run back are you ready are you running ready to roll. race through let's rock and roll all right. So, guys, we've talked about a lot. We've talked about what is a full stack designer, basically stacking multiple skills in regards to that really add up to allowing you to be able to be a more valuable designer and set your your prices higher. Rand talked about how he's been able to actually become a full stack designer. We talked about how he was able to be self-driven and had through side projects really break down you know, just for fun, because he, what he says a lot, he was like, I love to do this sort of thing. That is his motivation. So he was like, hey, I'm going to do a blog. So therefore, from wanting to actually do the side project, he learned how to write. He learned how to video edit. He learned how to tell a story all around things he liked. So, you know, bullet point out of that, guys, don't just learn skills because other people are learning skills and you think that you have to do that to add value. Do what you are attracted to and learn skills out of that. Just like Rand said, he doesn't like to tell, you know, the people who are, you know, his audience, you should do this. It's because people have different natural, you know, uh, you know, attracted to things naturally. And through Rand just listening to that, listening to his gut, he's been able to test, really play with side projects he was really interested in and gain, you know, some very amazing skills out of that. So that is that bullet point. Try what you love gain some skills, and really go into it and learn some skills from that. In terms of the type of skills in regards to what you guys, you know, could, not should, we're, we're, we're going to go with, with Rand's uh, <laughs> words here today, you know, th what he calls the 80-20 designer, you know, understanding that there are technical foundations you have to understand as a designer, but there are other things, the 20% that other designers are not really focused on. So, if you understand, okay, this is the foundation designers are, what is the other 20% that nobody else is really looking at, whether it be how to gain attention online, how to be, you know, how to dev and do your own websites. What is it that makes you more valuable and puts you just with a little bit of, not a little bit of effort, but just doing that, looking in one other direction that nobody else is looking, learning the skills in that direction and being able to be that much more valuable than your competition. And so far we've talked about communication, negotiation, um, and so far, guys, ran actually uh, just bookwise. If you guys are thinking about books, and I'm sure we'll do a little bit of list here. We got five minutes, but there's this awesome book that ran uh, showed to showed to me, and it's called Never Split the Difference. And if you guys are interested in negotiation, that is a hella amazing book. So check that out. 
Do not I'll, try that on your wife, by the way. I did that. <laughs> it, it did not work well. Oh. <laughs> We're going to have the conversation about that because I know that shit is hilarious. So, next. Invest in new processes and tools, guys. This is how you stay ahead of the game. Rand consistently tests out new things. Like he said, Figma. He tries out a whole bunch of different other tools that allow him to really um, help him with collaboration in terms of just being a little bit faster in what he does. He has a coach. And guys, for those of you really in a nutshell, what everything he said, regardless of its tool process, he sets himself up in a way to really make sure that he he understands he has blind spots and he needs to figure out really quickly what those blind spots are he hires a coach to tell him to look in someone who's on the outside to look in and be like yo fix this this and that so having a separate pair of eyes is highly important in addition to trying new things out so you always know what you or figure out what you don't know so it's extremely important in terms of investing in new processes new tools and learning dude and good recap <laughs> this is the best part of the <laughs> the best part of the podcast besides the joke. I should take notes as well. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I took I took literally notes on the summary and then I'm going to do a uh, I'm going to do a summary of the summary. I'm not going to do that. That was a joke. A bad joke at that. <laughs> Next was the motivation. He loves we talked about this in the beginning. He loves to learn and that is his motivation and even though he was joking about the pay to rent you know, he said, he's saying that whatever you do, it does kind of form out of something you do love, especially if it's, you know, regardless of it, if it's a nine to five, if that's not something you love, there's something else that Rand has been able to really, from his passions, really put a lot of time and dedication into where he puts now a lot of time that also is allows him to pay his rent. That's the joke side of things. But um, I think the really big learnings from here is that there are going to be days that are very exciting and some days that are going to suck ass. And it's through accepting that. And this is something that wasn't said. And I was trying to see if he was going to say it. Um, he understands his goal. Where he wants to be. And he is accepting that this goal is so great. That I am okay with having the shit days. Because I know where I'm going. And um, you know. So far what we talked about was. you know, It's not motivation. It's perform. But the reason he is allowed uh, be allowed to perform or allowing himself to perform is because he knows that what he's aiming for is so great that the shit days will be okay in comparison to what he's aiming for. But I want to make a little note about that, I think. For okay. you're, like, you're wrong, Brandon. <laughs> no, I just want to you know, because it, it might sound, I'm, I'm trying to listen to what you say from like kind of beginner's ear. Like if I wouldn't know myself, what would I t think about this? And you might think, oh, but I don't know where I'm going. So where, uh, what should I do? And to be super, super honest, for most of my time, I did not know where I'm going, what's going to happen. Like, you know, when I worked in a branding agency, I did not think that I'll, I'll want to work in a tech startup. I was like, no, I'll be only working on one project. That's going to be boring. Then when I moved to a tech startup, I did not think that I'll want to, you know, start my own business and then when I started my own business I never thought I'll do an online course like things do not like it's not like I knew this forever you just roll with it um but like I think right now things are starting when you see something that really works it helps clarify where you're going like I always had the goal to improve but like the end result and maybe it still isn't very always very clear like oh I want to do this 
create this type of business, have these type of clients and make so and so much money. Uh, not everything is always very clear. Um, you might have a goal specifically like this year, I want to make so and so money, but it's not, it's not always that clear. I 100% agree with you. It's not always going to be like dedicated. Like you really have to spend a lot of time in terms of like really dedicating like this is the thing. And even then things are going to change. But there are some instinctual things like, bruh, I got to take a shit. Like your body knows it's got to go. And yeah. you are just, you're like, this is terrible. Um, <laughs> metaphor. But like there are, you just know you need to make it to the bathroom. But, right. you know, along along the way, you might notice that there's some cake on the side and you might bring that, or like on the cabinet, you might bring that in there. You guys are probably like, Brandon, don't tell your personal things on this podcast. Um, <laughs> no, on the contrary. But, yeah, I totally agree. You're, there's some times where things are not 100% solid. And there's times where even when you're on a path you think is right, you'll see that, you know, piece of cake or that um, something that's really sparkly. And you're just like, you know what? That looks cool, too. Let's divert. And I think that's how things work. There's sometimes even when we have concrete plans where something is really shiny that pops up and we trust ourselves to go and hop into that thing. And I think that may be what you're, you know, talking about. No? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, not the pooping. Take that, cut that shit out. <laughs> that will not be in my podcast. Um, no, aside from the jokes, guys, uh, you know, Rand's a really cool guy and I really implore you guys to really check out from everything we've talked about here there's just so much more value than we can condense in one hour in his youtube videos on flux in addition to his course online if um you know Rand, talk about where we can find you let's let's do this because i don't want to um you know i want you to close out your own your own show so tell us one where we can find you where your course is we'll put that you know just let us know what it's called. We'll put those in the podcast link. And um, books, top three, what you're reading right now. So rapid fire. All right. So, um, well, I'm confused by all the things I got to say right now. So okay, <laughs> my website is, my Where website is, <laughs> no, no, my website is Ron Segal. That's with double L at the end. Um, that's just basically my personal website. Probably, you know, YouTube, which is Flux, F-L-U-X, or Instagram, which is at Ron Segal as well with double L at the end is probably the best way to see what's going on right now and maybe even reach out and, and talk. Um, if you want to learn about um, my Webflow course, that's thewebflowmasterclass.com. Um, yeah, and I think, I think that's it. Reading books, like, okay, so now I'm reading three, like, Okay, I just, okay, what I'm reading right now is Don't Shoot the Dog, which I got recommended on Tim Ferriss' podcast. It's about actually training animals, but what you can learn about that, about influencing people. Um, before that, I read Loving What Is, which is kind of like a psychology book about how to deal with your stress, pain, stuff like that. Before that, I read The Courage to Be Disliked, which is about also psychology about the psychology of, Adler, which is like a um, last century psychologist. So yeah, those, those are the three recent that I read. All of them are, are interesting, very interesting. Cool. And let's get one more that has helped you the most in terms of your technical capabilities, whether it's split the difference, story brand, are those one of the two? Um, I would do maybe the secret of power negotiation. That was... Yeah, like I think it's actually more practical than um, 
then split the difference, never split the difference. Even that, the, even though that one is also helpful. Um, but in terms of negotiation, yeah, check check both of these. And negotiation obviously is is a business skill that you should learn. Hey, Rand, thanks so much for joining. I think this was an for awesome sure, episode. I really we'll enjoyed definitely it. have to get you get you back. We really appreciate your time. For sure, love talking to you. Thanks for waking up so early. Uh, anytime, so. anything for you, man. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, have man. an awesome day. Likewise, man. Talk Thank to you, you so soon. Much. Peace. Bye-bye.